Welcome to today's podcast, Hello Conversations. Keeping it real. Welcome to Hello Conversations, Keeping It Real with San Francisco Bay Area Moms or SFBAM. My name is Olga Rosales Salinas and I am your host. I'm the managing editor for SFBAM and I'm here to welcome you to our sixth episode of Hello Conversations, officially making this our halfway mark to a year. Yay! We have a very special show today focusing on all things DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. As a mom and Bay Area listener, maybe you've heard this term before, but you're not quite sure what it means or how it applies to mom life. Our goal today is to explain the nuance of DEI work at home and in the workplace. Joining me today on this very special topic is my co-host, Sesamone Papone. Say hello, Sesamone. Hey, everyone. It's so good to be here. Hey, so good to have you. Sesamone is a single mom of two. She has a 14-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. She is a first-generation daughter of refugee immigrants from the country of Laos. She is the current CEO and founder of wellness brand Kampu, which creates science-backed, hemp-derived, cannabinoid wellness products. Prior to pursuing the build of her own company, she was previously the head of growth for cannabis manufacturer Vertosa, where she managed PR, marketing, and brand partnerships. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been writing for SFBAM and about what mom life is like with early teenage, teenage kids, <laughs> early Thank teens. Thank you so much for having me, Olga. <laughs> oh man, I think I've been writing for SFBAM for over four years now. Okay, um, nice. So it's, it's been, a, it's been a while. I'm probably one of the veteran writers uh, on the team. Um, I started writing when my kids were not yet in the double, yeah, double digits, I would say, uh, going there. Yeah. Now, writing about teenagers. Uh, I would say I'm not a fan of teenage face right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit too much attitude. There's a little bit too much uh, demanding. I want this. I want that. Uh, social, you know, circles, pressures, things like that, which is is a lot, but making it through. So, yeah. so I think it's interesting to be writing for so long. You've had so many posts up there. I, I, I repost them a lot now. I've only been with SFM for a year, but I get to repost your old articles as well. And I think you started when your kids were like eight and 10 or yeah. eight and nine. Yeah. Um, it's cool. You have like this backlog of uh, content mm-hmm. of motherhood. Um, and if you, you're out there, you're a listener and you're a mom thinking about blogging for SF fan, you're more than welcome. You can also have a live streaming, <laughs> really like an out loud journaling of what motherhood is like. So please check us out at sanfranciscomoms.com if you're uh, inclined to, to write and to tell us about your mom life experience. Stay tuned for more details on our Bloom event for new and expectant moms with an in-person fair to be held on Saturday, October 8, 2022 at Broadway Plaza in Walnut Creek. We'll also bring back our coveted online expert panel, VIP swag bags, and our biggest giveaway ever. You won't want to miss it. Before we welcome our guests, I want to preface our conversation by saying that Sesamon and I have something in common. We're both first-generation daughters of immigrants, which is to say that each of us is a mom of ethnic background and identity. My parents are from Zacatecas, Mexico, um, and I very much live into that experience. I uh, always felt like I was more Mexican than American, um, but never quite Mexican enough. <laughs> that experience, I think, is really common for a lot of uh, multicultural um 
ethnic, ethnic people, uh, especially here in California, because we are such a diverse community in the Bay Area specifically. So for this show, I wanted to call in a professional. We have found the coolest professional and one of my favorite mom friends, Amanda Lutton. Amanda Lutton join us, joins us from Roku. But I want to go ahead and take a break here. And before we continue, um, we are going to give a shout out to our sponsors for our show this um this for the sixth episode. Uh, and I want to thank you all for listening, for joining us. So thank you guys for listening to Hella Conversations. We'll be right back. Keeping it real with SF BAM. Here's an important task to include on this year's back to school prep list, your child's eye health. Childhood myopia rates are on the rise with one in three children now affected in the U.S., often made worse by too much screen time. This eye disease can result in blurry distance vision. Left untreated, Children with myopia may be at a significantly higher risk for numerous serious eye health complications as they grow. There's good news. Early childhood intervention is key and it makes a difference. Treehouse Eyes is the first eye care provider dedicated exclusively to treating myopic children and is one of the first organizations to adopt AccuView Ability Overnight Therapeutic Lenses, specifically designed to match your child's eye. Once they started treatment, children have reported better focus at school, increased performance in activities, and more self-confidence. Don't overlook your child's health. Book a free consultation at a barrier location near you. Visit treehouseeyes.com to learn more. Nothing matters more than our family's health. And as pillars of our families, we moms need to remember to put self-care first. Awesome You Dream is the world's first well-being chair that allows you to track and measure body tension, heart age index, and respiratory rate. Let You Dream relax all your five senses according to your stress level with their innovative V-hand massage technology, producing a realistic massage grip that is adept at extracting deep-seated knots and aching muscles. Visit us.osim.com for more information or experience a free personalized AI stress analysis today at the local OSIM stores in San Francisco and San Jose. Welcome back to Helen Conversations on our sixth episode. We're talking today about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. My co-host here is Asman Papons, and I am your host, Olga Rosales Salinas. We both want to welcome Amanda Lutton. Say hello, Amanda. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Olga, for having me. Thanks for coming. Amanda is my dear friend and also my neighbor. <laughs> Our kids uh-huh. go to school together. We're both fans of White Claws. Let me give you uh, her official... <laughs> Our official bio, um, <laughs> Amanda Lutton is recruiting with a passion for all things DEI, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Amanda attended St. Mary's College in the hills of Moraga, California. This is where her passion for activism came alive. As a woman and gender studies major, she led the faculty and staff in multiple presentations, sometimes protests, hey girl, about the importance of equal rights and access to women's health. Amanda began her career at Oracle in entry-level hiring and program development in which she trailed blaze the efforts in diversity and inclusion and manage first entry-level sales and marketing programs. 
She left Oracle in September for Roku and has not looked back. Amanda wanted to shift her focus on DEI efforts into an arena that has a passion plan and initiative to drive this type of hiring. Amanda created the first international intern program at Roku and uh, has loved it ever since. She actually named it herself Rising Streamers because that's such a fun name. Amanda is a born and bred Bay Area native and loves spending time with her four daughters and Labrador Retriever puppy. But on any given day, you can catch her either at my house in the backyard doing yoga or in her studio. She is a biracial African-American Caucasian mom boss. Uh, this is why we're so very happy and excited to have her on the show. Did I, did I forget? You killed it. You gave me the best intro I've ever received. Um, okay. I'm so excited to be in your space. No, this is awesome. So awesome. Great. Um, why don't you uh, start by telling us... Um, why DEI specifically? Uh, we got a little bit of why Roku and why, why your passion is from your bio, but tell us a little bit why DEI. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, um, as you mentioned, I was born in San Francisco, raised in Oakland and San Leandro. Um, I now live in San Leandro. Um, and when you grow up in the Bay Area, diversity is not few and far between. I mean, most of my neighbors growing up, I didn't, I didn't understand the the beauty. I didn't understand the intentionality of having um, that type of access with neighbors with different backgrounds and different experiences and from different countries and different sexual identities. That was never a real conversation in my house because it was implied in my upbringing, which is a place of privilege, right? Because my parents were black and white. They met in Chicago, moved here. So diversity was always a part of their connection because they had to go through all the things you go through in the 70s and 80s as a biracial couple, interracial couple. Um, and so as I was going through my career, I started in fashion. Um, that's very, what's the word? Um, singularly focused and definitely for the privileged. And I loved my job. I love a good pair of jeans and fun sweaters, but my purpose wasn't doing that. Um, and so I pulled a few themes I loved about that part of my work, which was I loved people, I loved different backgrounds, and I loved people's stories. And I loved helping people. What better way than to become a recruiter? Or in the early 2000s, it was like headhunter, because that made people feel like your job wasn't that important. I loved my job. I poured every bit of my heart and soul into every candidate I met. I remember the first person I ever hired, Tanisha Thompson out of Concord. She was a data entry clerk for a healthcare system um, here in the Bay Area, because that's how deeply connected I got within my space. As I began, began to like find my flow within it, I realized underrepresented, specifically women, just were too afraid to apply to certain jobs. So I really took the approach of what are people missing in this process? And it was the humanity and it was the identification. I need you to know that as a Black woman in this space, I see you, I hear you, and I want to try to help get you into this role because you're the best person for the role. And really making sure people felt incorporated, but also people felt like they were important and they mattered and their identity while it doesn't while the identity piece of it is important to acknowledge that's not going to prohibit you that's not something that's going to stop you once you have that initial interview and how can i help you ultimately get the job i'm going to get you in the door but how do we get you the job and through all the things with recruiting and all that happens within that industry i was at oracle for about 6 years and i loved it I was able to really lean into this space in a much more structured way. Um, with any corporation, there's rules and bounds you have to abide by. But for me, I kind of broke the bounds and just leaned in um, and made sure that I had the ability to meet with a lot of first-generation um, American students 
at their earliest point, which was in college or which was in their community college program and say, this is how you should be treated in a workplace. This is how you should be engaged with. This is how, this is how you should know what respect looks like. And I was able to do that at Oracle. Um, I was able to build out different programs and different retention um, policies and procedures to ensure that we were obviously doing rewards and recognition, ensuring that we were making, um, ensuring that these students had the opportunity to continue to have a voice once they were in the door. It wasn't like, we want you, we want you, you're done. It was, how do we get you here? How do we keep you here? Um, and I was very successful with my time at Oracle. So I was very happy to make my now massive pivot into Roku. And I honestly have not looked back and I'm so happy. Hey, thank you so much for sharing that. I think um, I want to just backpedal a little bit because yeah. let's say that you're a listener of Hello Conversations and you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a mom who works from home and you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're sipping on a coffee, having your croissant. Oh, that makes me hungry. Um, and you're thinking like, okay, uh, what is DEI? What if I was going to go back to work? Like, what is this field? And and what? why does it matter what are the logistics? Can you just give us like a um, very basic, like I'm two years old, for sure. not, maybe four years no. old. <laughs> yeah, I love this question. Um, explain it. Yeah. I love this question. So three parts to DEI, diversity. It's what makes us unique. And it's what, it's what our individual backgrounds are and what they encompass. So baseline, right? We're just different because we all grew up differently, have different experiences with different ethnicities, right? And we look at equity. Equity is the fairness and justice. Um, and understanding that all not all of us started from the same point. So when I speak to my children about it, it's, hey, we grow, you're growing up here, you're experiencing these things. Other people in your class, even though they're at the same school, might not have the same experience. So equity is understanding that you might be in the same place, but how you got there looks different, just like you as an individual looks different. Right. And then my favorite part, the inclusivity piece. Inclusivity is really... Well, I made my own definition, but inclusivity means making sure everyone is a part of something, right? right? But for the purposes of what I believe inclusivity is, not only corporate and all the things, all that, within your household, it's understanding what diversity means. It's understanding that we are different. It's understanding that we are all coming from different pockets of our life and our experiences are different. And we come into an inclusive space where we acknowledge all of those differences and ensure that we're being inclusive as we develop deeper connections as humans. So you can't do the inclusivity piece until you understand diversity and equity, because then you're really not being inclusive. You're being performative because you're like, oh, that person had this experience. It's, no, this is why that person had this experience. This is why this person is different. Let's lean into that and let's understand their story. And then let's make this a safe space for everyone. So um, before, when I first heard DI, I thought that empathy was in there. Um, but I think that it's a big part of it, right? It's almost like implied. Like you can't uh, recognize that your company needs, it, needs this or you need to have these conversations with your kids without recognizing that empathy is a big part of how you need to see the world. Absolutely. <laughs> it's super important. Empathy is what's injected once you understand the fundamental piece of this term, DEI. Because once you understand it, you can make it your own. Because for some people, it doesn't stick, right? No. Some people... And they're like, oh, I get what diversity means. I understand truly what equity means, right? But then the inclusivity piece is where you display that empathy. It's where you display that connection and that human, um, that human thread. Um, but you have to understand the terms as they are for you to understand and display the empathy. Some people just don't have it. And that's okay. But for what I'm trying to teach my children, what I want to incorporate in my community is how you lean in with empathy. But you have to know that differences exist. That's great. Right. 
Yeah. So um, here's a good example. I and it is, you know, the internet gives me so much information. I think it was a meme or stitched in a sweater somewhere. Um, it said um, that the in- inclusivity was inclusivity and empathy was not saying to a room full of kids um, on the day back to school. What did everybody do this summer? Because uh, not everybody traveled. Not everybody had like an amazing summer, went to like a bunch of camps. Like you, you have families who just stayed home. You had families who um, went to babysitting camps or were babysat by different people. Um, And so you say, instead of what you do this summer, what's the same and what's different. And I, and I think that's a really important shift in how we talk to our kids and a good example of, um, being inclusive and not making not making other people feel othered. And I think that Sesame and I can both speak to uh, the dual identity and bicultural um, aspect of that, of being othered in our own communities. <laughs> um, uh, not not in Mexico being like, oh, es, es americana or niña fresa, right? And, and you're like, wait, <laughs> like with my white friends, I'm definitely Mexican. So I don't understand the, the being othered part. So... I always hated that question too. Right. After coming back from vacation or summer break, uh, because I never went anywhere. My parents, right. being first gen, they never took us anywhere. And uh, my kids now they get this week off during midwinter break, uh, and they call that sometimes ski week, right? Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> like perfect example of not being inclusive because you have a group of kids and parents who can afford to go to ski week, but you have also this group of kids who can't and they're just home. And so it makes them feel excluded when talking about what did you do during this break? Right. And um, I don't know if you can, uh, if you have an example of that, how, how that would apply to work. Yeah. Well, there's like simple, I mean, there's, there's more simple examples. First of all, I love that you're calling that out because I totally agree. I just think it's just such a, it's an odd, it's a, I understand the intention behind it, but there's a lot of other ways to like get involved with what your students are up to and what they're doing. How are we feeling about being at school today? Right. How's everyone doing today? Like what's going on right now? What are we feeling? Right. Giving them ident- like identifying factors in that space, I think is way more beneficial. And you're actually getting to know your student versus like what vacation they did. And like, who really cares anyway? Not in a mean way, just saying. Right. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to corporate, the one thing I do implement a lot is, um, Hey everyone, how do y'all, how's everyone doing today? Um, hi friends. Or when I'm working with like my emerging talent folks, Hey, amazing humans. How are we all doing? Yeah. Where are we right now? What's going on? Like, really incorporating it in that way. And I swear it's so much more well-received versus... And every now and then I slip, I'm like, okay, guys, like what's going on, right? Like I'm human, but I really make a concentrated effort because I want people to feel included. I don't want people to ever feel... And anything I'm sharing, it's excluding them from the greater message or the greater opportunity within the corporate space. But that incorpor- that's with my own, my own children, right? Olga knows I have four daughters. Like I don't always just say, hey, girls. Like I'm like, where are we at? <laughs> How's everyone doing? Like it just feels more um, unifying versus just calling out the specific identity of something or someone or what it could be. So that's how I incorporate it in corporate spaces. I think you bring up a good point because pronouns are, are very much into uh, involved oh, yeah. in this. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I love the fact that one day I don't know it feels like ten years ago, six years ago. Um, says Trump, um, that we all just decided that like, no, (laughs) you can't, I want to be called a certain thing. I want to be included in this. I want, uh, the hiring process not to be as, um, critical, (laughs) maybe, uh, 
I remember, how, I can't remember how many times I, I was in a job interview in my early 20s um, and really feeling like I needed to act more white. <laughs> I needed to dress better. I needed to work on my inflection of my voice. I needed to make sure that I was presentable in a white space. And I think that that's um, an idea that isn't, you know, people aren't advising you towards that anymore. And I think that that's an awesome thing to see happen and to see play out. Um, as moms in the Bay Area, I think it's also important to talk about these differences to our kids. And that's why I was so excited to have you on because you do have four girls and you are having these conversations and system when you're having these conversations with teenagers. Um, so I, I was hoping that we could speak to that a little bit, like how in between your teenagers um, really being rude to you, um, and refusing to listen to anything you say, like, how do you also insert that you have to like, you know, respect time and place right now, especially with pronouns and, um, being inclusive with kids who might not have as much or, uh, have less in your current situation. So yeah. someone, if you want to speak to that, because you've got yeah. two teenagers. I think, we're, I think we're so fortunate to live in the Bay area where it's, we're so open-minded. Right. And so, um, Although I have some crazy teenagers, uh, they're also very compassionate given all the experiences they've had to also face uh, going to school out here in public in public school. I mean, um, one of the first things my son faced was uh, a classmate in kindergarten who was who was a boy, but identified um, himself as a girl and would wear dresses over his pants right to school. Um, and my son's first question was like, Mom, is that a boy wearing a dress? And I said, yeah. Do you have a problem with that? D does it make you feel a certain way? You know, he's like, no, I just want to know. And I was like, you understand everybody has differences here. Uh, and although, you know, sometimes you see on TV or whatever you're learning about or someone's teaching you that you cannot wear a dress just because you're a boy doesn't mean you can't. And so that brings, you know, to... I would say today, teenagers are more, I guess the term woke, right, is going around as a trendy word. Uh, even my kids are always, my teenagers are always telling me like uh, one of their students, our peers have decided their pronouns and this is how they want to be addressed. Uh, when it first started, it was just adults, right? Um, you know, it, uh, if, if I remember correctly, the origin started with the LGBTQ community, right? Um, and then now it's crossed over to where even kids, teenagers these days are understanding um, to be more intentional with their words and understanding who they are and what how they want to be addressed. I think it's it's also it's great. Like my my kids are understanding that they are seeing their friends go through that and they're being compassionate about it. And I feel like one of the reasons for that isn't just us parents teaching them that right and seeing it with us, but really it's a community effort. Like the whole. Right all out here in the Bay Area, everyone is really intentional about their terms and understanding it. And I really appreciate Amanda explaining the terms between D what DEI actually means and stands for, because some people misunderstand that too. Even uh, I get a lot of people misunderstanding equity and equality Correct. as right. well. And so um, I really, I really admire this, this area that we live in because we're so open-minded um, that our kids can come and talk to us about this, right. about the shift in pronouns, about the differences um, and how people actually want to be addressed even at that age, such a young right. age. Yes. And I also want to say that sometimes it can be scary because you might mess up. Um, but <laughs> I think that in the Bay, it's easy. It's 
safe to say like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just learning. And um, can you please explain this to me? Um, I'm, I'm, I have to admit that I called Sessimone to ask her how to pronounce her name before the show. So I don't want to get it wrong. And that's what it takes. You have to swallow pride. Like, no, I can't read your name. Um, how does this, you know, how do I, how do I get this right? And, and taking that step is, is part of living in the Bay and being comfortable to do that in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Self-awareness is key. Self-awareness is key. Where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? So um, I also wanted to ask Amanda what what it's like um, out there in the world uh, of hiring. You know, what is how are people coming in? How are they presenting themselves? So you see um, different than before, I guess, different than than the now times. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. It's different because honestly, COVID, um, everyone has a story, right? Everyone has their own journey through the last two years. So hiring has just shifted completely um, when it comes to how we engage, right? A lot of people are doing career regroups, career shifts, working moms are now back in the workplace. Fathers that were full-time caregivers are now back, you know, trying to find a new role or a new opportunity. Um, And so for me, like I have just noticed, not only is there just such an influx of candidates, there's just a lot. I had one software engineering role with over 20,000 applicants. Um, I've never seen anything like that before. And I will tell you, it was predominantly diversity candidates, which is a testament to STEM, I think, being integrated in schools. And I would say the Bay Area, California, West Coast, that's a lot of where a lot of our funding is going right now, right, is STEM. So science, technology, engineering, and math for specifically women. And so seeing that kind of turnaround has been super exciting. Um, But people are showing up authentically. Um, People will ask me all the time, should I change my name on my resume? I'm like, absolutely not. Um, and it's funny, you triggered something for me when we were talking about names because, so my grandmother, um, so I'm black and white. Um, my grandmother is one of the first black engineers in LA County and, um, her name is, was Dorothy James White. Okay. So her middle name is masculine. And that's because, um, back in the thirties, which is crazy. Um, my great grandmother said, you have to have a masculine middle name to get a job, right? So you could do D James White who would know what gender you are, right? And um, I incorporated that with my girls um, more as like a testament to some of the areas of progression we've seen. I'm not going to say we've hit every bucket, but we have made areas of progression. So um, my three um, biological children are Tessa James after my grandma. Then I have Bryn Emmett, Emmett's after Emmett Till. And then I have Maren Gray, which is just a neutral middle name. And it's just more of paying tribute, bringing it full circle because me being a biracial woman, me being a very light black woman, me being able to pass in both spaces. Um, white people feel good talking about DEI with me, and black people know that I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the head to make sure that DEI is incorporated in each and every conversation. Um, I owe it to my ancestors. I owe it to my children for them to acknowledge the privileges that they will experience but never forget where they actually came from. Because if it wasn't for all the grit and all of that piece, I would not be able to do my job. Because everything I do when it comes to hiring is making sure people acknowledge exactly who they are. Pronouns, um, sexual identity, gender identity, um, your demographic, all of that is what is the most important thing you can put forward. If you're working, if you're a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home moms, that is the hardest job. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how. Um, It's the most incredible. But like, when you're working in a when you're working in an office or you're working remotely or spending most of your time there. So if you're showing up as one third or one eighth of who you are, don't do it. You're there most <laughs> of your life. Don't do it. So 
if in the interview process, if in the hiring process, we're able to highlight exactly who you are and what matters to you personally and how you can bring that professionally, I'm going to drag it out. It's happening. It's happening. I I love all of this. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us here at Hella Momversations. We're going to take another quick break because of sponsors that we love so much. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Hella Momversations. We'll be right back. Keeping it real with SFM. Jump into a world of creativity, color, and playful learning this summer at Legoland Discovery Center Bay Area, the ultimate indoor Lego playground. Enjoy an interactive Lego-themed ride and a 4D cinema where your favorite Lego characters come to life. Explore Miniland Bay Area, featuring local landmarks made from over a million bricks. And get hands-on in Lego-themed build-and-play areas where kids' imaginations can explore endless possibilities. Conveniently located inside the Great Mall in Milpitas, just minutes off I-680. For more information and to book your tickets, visit bayarea.legolanddiscoverycenter.com. That's bayarea.legolanddiscoverycenter.com. The Rosales Sisters Scholarship supports first-generation or immigrant students get to college with scholarships, educational resources, and community outreach. The Rosales Sisters believe that no student should feel the sting of entering college unprepared. We want to help students get to the university level with as much financial and emotional support as possible. Please join us as we support first-generation or immigrant students in Northern California. Visit our page at rsscholarship.com. There you will find upcoming events, see past winners, and the donate link. That's rsscholarship.com. We are a 501c3 nonprofit serving underserved communities in Northern California. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. The Rosales Sister Scholarship, helping first-generation or immigrant students get to college. That's rsscholarship.com to donate today. That's rsscholarship.com. Join us, donate, and say it proud. Si se puede. Welcome back to Hello Conversations and our sixth episode. We are here talking about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. My co-host is Simone uh, Papone, and I am your host, Olga Rosales Salinas. Thank you for joining us, for being here for Hello Conversations. Woo! Sorry, that was too good. Um, we are here with Amanda Lunn, and uh, she is a recruiter for Roku, specifically focusing on DEI work in the workplace. Um, she was also a mom of four girls, and so she's talking to us about home life and work life and what DEI means in both of those spaces. Yeah, I mean, I have a question for you, Amanda. I mean, uh, in the world of Google searching, right, our kids still come to us and ask us these questions. Like, what what is your best approach, our best advice, and how we explain DEI when that com- question comes up with our kids, especially my teenagers? Yeah, <laughs> ask all kinds of questions. Yeah, no, um, I love this question, but I also want to before I answer, I want to circle back to something you said. This generation, my stepdaughter is thirteen, um, and so this generation is just way more woke. They're yeah. way more aware. They will call me out. Mom, was that a microaggression? I'm like, oh my God, I don't think so. Like, I just saying that was a black senator. Like, that wasn't, that was, that's not bad, you know? And, you know, so really having those dialogues. So I, I love that you called that out because I think it's very true. Um, honestly, um, I'm very transparent with my kids. I just call it out. I'm like, hey, like, do you have questions? 
Hey, what are you thinking? Hey, what does your classroom look like? How are you feeling? Did you meet someone that's different than you that has a different experience than you? My kindergartner, she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, like this person drives 40 minutes to school every day. And I'm like, how do you know 40 minutes? They go, oh, they listen. They're able to watch one full episode of that one show. Um, it's on like Disney or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And they're like, yeah, they get TV in the morning. So not under, so right. So right there, right. They're not understanding that's inequity, right? Because that person has to commute because they're in a districting, but they get to watch a show. So how do we navigate that conversation, right? It's like, right. hey, we have to be really mindful that this person comes to school. They have to leave an hour early, right? This, so we incorporate it in that sense, which is a tangible at this age, which I think is really great. I think it's also really challenging because I also want to be like, how can I help? But it's not about me, right? It's about making sure my kid is inclusive and understanding. Um, and we have a lot of books in our house. So there are two series that I personally incorporate if it's bedtime, if it's just randomly on the weekends. Um, one is actually, which I'm, I might get flack for this. So you can cut this out older if you want. Um, Sesame Street. Um, they actually have a really good um, Sesame Street communities. It's about race, gender, and um, equity. Um, there's like seven or eight books. It's honestly amazing the way they are able to connect it to tangible things for children. And I totally stand by it. I think it's just fantastic literature. It's a really great way to get children's attentions. Yes, the illustrations are fabulous, but the language that they use and inclusivity is just awesome. The second series is Little People, Big Dreams. Um, so they go through like dreamers and different um, women that have been really active, obviously throughout the progression of women and things like that. So those are two series, two books specifically, Our Class is a Family by Shannon Olson. Um, it's all about children in the classroom, which if you're working with little kiddos, especially in elementary school, it's a tangible, right? Because they're seeing people with differences. Um, and how do you have those conversations? And how do you view, how do you make that human connection, right? Second book is Love Makes a Family um, by Sophie Beer. And this is much more about um, same-sex um, couples, um, couples that could be going through different transitions, um, what that means. It means love, right? It means love. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm just very honest with my kids about it. They ask, they go, why is that person you know, lighter than that person? Or why does that person, you know, why is that person using a cane? They're like my age. That's a great question. Yeah. Lean in. Um, and we just lean in with curiosity, right? I usually ask questions back. Right. What about that? What about that is curious to you? Yeah. <laughs> what about that's different to you? How, how does that make you want to interact with that person? Right? Because ultimately, I don't know, I feel like we learn way more from our kids than we do ourselves. And they go, oh no, I just want to make sure I can help them. Or if I'm going to do the monkey bars, I want to make sure they can do the monkey bars with me. Or if they can't do that, I want to find another thing we can do together that's the magic of children. Right. And I can imagine that when you start at this age, then the teenage stuff is easier, but I don't know. I don't have a teenager. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I have she says someone's shaking her head. It's still all totally hard. <laughs> my stepdaughter, and I mean, I'm not bio mom, but I met her when she was six. And so she's going to be 14 in one month, which is super bizarre. Um, and, you know, her being fully white, her mom and dad are both white. She just asks, how does it feel being darker? And she calls me Panda. How does it feel being darker? How did, how did your mom feel? My mom's black. You just, you, you lean in with natural curiosity. You lean in with, they're seeing this, they're seeing it. So how can I make sure that they feel it's not only safe asking, but they have the tools to understand the implications that that person has on the world and their reaction has on the world. So if you bring it back down to humanity, it's a way better space, but I have a lot of literature for her too, because I... Yeah, you got to lean in. And I'm um, finding that when you are transparent with your kids, then they also uh, become unconsciously like, oh, yes, of everyone. 100%. Right. 
I think it's having them, giving them the space to ask you questions and you're not going to just blow them off. Like you'll have that conversation, even if it's in the car or McDonald's. I got asked asked about uh, two men being married at McDonald's. Not they were being married that way. You know, he was asking that question when we were at McDonald's. I was like, can we eat our fries right now? But I had to stop and like explain to him. Um, Thank you so much for all of those links. I'm not editing any of that. Um, not because I'm, I'm lazy, but I love PBS and Sesame love PBS too. content. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, for all the moms that are listening right now and joining us at Health Conversations and who just heard of that long list of awesome books and resources, they will be linked um, in the comment section and all of our social media sites as well. I'll also connect... Um, Amanda to her social media so that you guys can reach out to her if you have any questions. If you're about to go for a job and you're, you know, you want to make sure that you know the right language, like um, I'm offering her services to you. you. Please offer it. Anything. Um, Join her on her LinkedIn profile. So Simone, as a CEO of a company um, in a really cool space, uh, cannabis, um, do you have any specific questions for Amanda that um, she can help you out with today? Yeah, I mean, I uh, right now we are a small team of like six people, but you know, in in cannabis startup world, that can grow rapidly, and if, I don't want to lose the chance of implementing DEI at an early stage. Uh, for me, it would be like, what what's the best practice? What's the best way to go about making sure I I insert uh, DEI properly so that as the company scales, it's part of the foundation. Yeah. I love, first of all, I love this question. I love you already thinking about this because people think only six people or four people, how do I, it doesn't matter. And it's like, no, it, it absolutely does. Cause it shapes your culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's at, you want it at a foundational level. The first thing I usually ask specifically, like the pillars I work with is why, why, why does this matter to you? Um, you obviously being in the field that you're in, it matters because cannabis hits all the different demographics. Mm-hmm. We have like suburban white moms using it. Mm-hmm. We have, Black women being persecuted for it, right? So how do we how do we make the connections? You have to have the why. And I think calling out both sides of the scale I just used, I think are important, right? So why do you think this is important? I think I know your why, but as you as the CEO and the owner, it's, it's really your why. Then it would be building vocabulary that is injected within your team. So understanding, like you mentioned, equality versus equity. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. How does that play into our practice as a business? How do we incorporate this in meetings? How do we incorporate this in business partnerships? How do we call this out with potential new vendors or new folks that are going to be, you know, providing us with a certain product, right? Ensuring that whoever you use and integrate in your team has the same vision and view as you, but that starts with the why and the vocabulary around the DEI you're trying to accomplish, right? Um, And then the, the third piece, which is super important, is setting the goal. So, right? So once you have the why, and then once you have the vocabulary... The, the the goal setting can happen. So, okay, we want to work with, um, you know, um, Latinx growers in Watsonville. Yes, Olga, I'm calling you out um, because we really want to, we want to expand our resources within the California, you know, you know, um, uh, not coastline, but like inner intracoast. I don't know how you would say it because it's like- Intracoast. Thank you, central coast. Is it intracoast? Intracoast. <laughs> intracoast, I made it up. Um <laughs> and you want to expand your business further, right? Like you want to be able to incorporate, you know, and have that, those folks like be represented in your space, right? Or you want to go up, you know, the coastline further and have, you know, a black farmer incorporated or a woman farmer incorporated, whatever the case may be. So that's how you can goal set based on your why, based on the vocabulary. And then you set certain goals to incorporate your messaging 
as you continue to build and grow. And then from there, obviously, you as CEO, um, providing charitable contributions into different pockets you believe in, right? Sometimes in DEI, you got to pay to play. Um, Roku um, does join a lot of different conferences. They do cost a ton of money, right? So the investment in this space is great. But once you develop this internally and within your own cultural foundation within your company, the rest does come and the rest will flow because you're going to start hiring people and you're going to start engaging people with that same energy, that same intention. You're just going to teach them how you do it differently than they would get anywhere else in the, in the job market. Awesome. That's so such great advice that I, I wrote it all down. <laughs> oh my God, I'm like, even especially that building vocabulary, right? Into your yeah. process and stuff is so important. Uh, yeah. And that's just the fact that you mentioned um, it's not just internally within your team, right? It's also partners, vendors that you're speaking to. It, it matters. All of that matters. Absolutely. It's the most yeah. critical thing you can do because it can actually harm your business. Let's say you say, I agree with this type of equity. And then you work with someone who says, we donate to something that's totally against it. Mm-hmm. That only is your credibility shot. But then why do you want to work with them anyway? Like on a human level? Yeah. Like business is business, but like humanity. Yeah. this work, it does matter. Exactly. <laughs> I love this so much. Thank you guys so much for, okay. for being here and for talking to us so openly and honestly, and, and just reminding us that it is okay to learn about these topics. Even for us moms that live in the barrier, we feel like we know everything already. We're woke yes. enough. We're not woke enough. We still need to learn. We still need to keep up with our kids um, as they teach us <laughs> about all the latest stuff yeah. um, and terms. So um, thank you so much, Amanda, especially and Sesimo for joining us. Um, I want to just give a quick shout out to... Um, SFBAM, San Francisco moms.com. And just ask you, listener, uh, mom out there, uh, I'm pretty sure you're on your second croissant by now. Um, I, I want to just encourage you to enjoy the croissant and to join us at our Bloom event happening Saturday, October 8th in Walnut Creek. It is for all things baby, all things mommy. Um, I'm going to be there doing this podcast live. Hey, you get to see me in person. I might have my hair piece in. Um, I <laughs> will definitely have my lashes on. I'm very excited for this event happening. Um, Walnut Creek on October 8th. Uh, it's our very, it's our how many, have you been to a Bloom event, Sassimo? How many years have they done it now? I've been to one and I feel like they've done it every year since I've been part of SF Band. Okay. There's been a lot. <laughs> There's been a lot of them. Uh, we did it virtually last year, um, but this will be uh, the first in-person since COVID. So excited to be there, excited to be doing the podcast live. So please uh, go to sanfranciscomoms.com for more details about the panel that's going to be speaking, about the podcast that we're going to be doing live, and just about the event in general. If you're um, expecting, if you're thinking about expecting a baby, um, if if you have a newborn, join us in, in October, October 8th in Wana Creek. Um, Sessima, do you have any last comments or questions for Amanda before I praise her to uh, to no end over here? I just want to praise her. I, I think it's so awesome. You know, you're also an ex- setting a great example, right? As a working mom and just pushing DEI forward. Uh, we're a little more progressive in California, but I feel like the more of us talk about DEI um, and the more, you know, we back it up, the more people will actually gravitate and change, you know, their workplace and their practices as well. So I just want to, I want to say you're the best. You're <laughs> you the are best. the best. You um, are. Also, <laughs> you're the best. So, so when you were talking about your business, I had this word popping in my head. And if I don't say it, I'm going to kick myself. Can a closet 
Canna closet. Okay. <laughs> so there's so many moms that use cannabis, but they're in the canna closet. Mm-hmm. And I thought of it because the first time I read your article about this industry, I was like, oh my goodness, have I secretly been in a canna closet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was such a cool term. I love it. Anyway, now I've said it, I can rest at night. <laughs> canna closet. I can sleep now. Um I just want to thank Amanda so much and just praise you, not only for being this awesome person that's taught me so much about DEI just in this last 30 minutes, but also just for being a, an awesome example of a mom and boss, uh, a boss person in the um, corporate world. So thank you so much for joining us and for being thank here. You. And um, hopefully one day you'll pick up a column at San Francisco Barrio Moms and uh, you'll be a regular contributor. Thank you everybody for joining our sixth episode of Hello Momversation here at SFM, keeping it real, sanfranciscomoms.com. If you want to know any more information about us, this show, or anything that we talked about today with Amanda Lutton, uh, recruiter for Roku and um, specialist in DEI. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Sesamone. I hope that you join us next time. For Hella Momversations, um, the second half of our one year recording of Hella Momversations. Thank you all so much for being here. As always, keeping it real with SF Bam. Keeping it real, SF Bam. Mm-hmm.